I'm Tom Tool. She's Stacy Mitchell. And we got news in real estate this week. Things are happening. Breaking news from Zillow and uh, a Zillow's consumer report that comes out each month is that in the month of April, 47% of homes that sold in the United States went under contract in less than seven days. And this is happening at all different price points in tons of metro areas, including here in the greater Philadelphia area. So as we get into this, if you got a question for the show, email us info at tooltimeradio.com. Stacy, what do you think about all this? I mean, you're on the front line, so am I. But I mean, you know, what does this mean for the market? Let's talk a little bit about this. Almost half the homes going under contract in less than a week. Well, that's true because I feel it out there for certain. <laughs> <laughs> to me, it seems like they go under contract in a couple of days. Um, so seven days seems like a long time, but it is true. And what it means for the market is buyers have to be prepared for sure. Well, and, and that's absolutely correct. And, and to give some perspective here, in April 2020, which I don't know that you can really use those numbers given what was going on in April 2020 when we couldn't leave our houses, we couldn't show any homes. Only 30% of the homes went under contract in a week or less. Now, other parts of the country didn't have those restrictions. So these are national numbers. Additionally, the report from Zillow shows that 76% of homes went under contract in less than a month um, compared to only 60% last year. So we're seeing it. Everything's getting squeezed. The time frame's getting squeezed. And the already rushed pace of home buying in the face of limited supply, sky-high demand that's characterized the market since basically last summer has intensified what buyers need to do. So, you know, looking at all of this, uh, you know, you're working with buyers and sellers every day. So am I. So what do people need to prepare for? You want to make a move. You want to make a move in the next six months. You said be prepared. What does that look like? Let's talk about some specifics there about what buyers and sellers should be prepared for too, because it's not easy for sellers despite being a seller's market. It's hectic having your home on the market. So why don't we start there? You're a seller. You're listing your home. What do you need to do to be prepared? For sellers, you have to figure out about what you're going to sell for. Are you selling? Are you? Is there repairs that you want to complete before you list? Um, and if so, what does that look like? Are you going to renovate a bathroom, renovate a kitchen and list? A lot of times you're not going to get the return on your investment. So for sellers, you have to figure out uh, what you need to do as far as the house prep to get on the market. For sure. Mm -hmm. I would argue that sellers need to have a plan of getting out of Dodge for three or four days when their home hits the market, because showing your home is really tough. I mean, the demand of people wanting to get in and now with the way showings are set up because of even though we're at like the endemic here, hopefully, fingers crossed, right? I mean, you have 15 minutes to look at a property. It could be a 4,000 square foot home and you might only have 15 minutes in some cases because of the amount of showings that are happening and only one party in, one party out. So if I was a seller, I would, like you said, have, have a plan first, have some sort of pre-marketing campaign. So when you do hit the market, ideally it's like a weekend and you can go, mm -hmm. go down the shore, go to the mountains, get away somewhere, just Go, go to a neighbor's house or, or a, maybe your neighbors don't want you over, maybe a family member's house. <laughs> a hotel. Yeah, something. a hotel mm -hmm. and get out of town. And then hopefully when you come back, mm -hmm. you have everything in front of you because the, the, the stress of having your home on the market really gets minimized for sellers. Everyone thinks it's, it's great for them. And while they get a great result, having 40 people through your home in a weekend, I mean, that doesn't sound too exciting It's a lot to of me. traffic. It's a lot of traffic. And you never know about the families. Do they have children? Do they have dogs? You know. 
whatever kind of pets, how does that impact the entire family? So yes, definitely most sellers have to pack up for the weekend because your home is not going to be yours for that weekend. Well, think about the people that have kids, right? Your kids get home. It takes you an hour to clean up and they destroy the place in about <laughs> 35 seconds. I can speak from experience. Right. So, you know, and, and having to keep your home in that state where you're going to get max price, you're going to get mm -hmm. best terms. Mm -hmm. I would argue that sellers need to have a plan to leave the area if they're anticipating a lot of traffic. And, and just to give an idea here, I want to get further into these stats and then we'll talk about the, the, the buyer side, what buyers need to do to be prepared. Um, Zillow further found that 50.5% of the entry level homes went under contract in less than a week. 54.6% um, of mid-tier homes, so like think trade-up properties, right? Um, they, they went under contract in that week period. And in 27 of the nation's 50 largest metro markets, we're obviously right there in the greater Philadelphia area, um, a majority of the homes went under contract in less than a week as well. So this is happening at all price points. It's even happening in the premium and the high end in, in a lot of cases too. And that's where it's important to have some guidance from a professional that can give you a plan because most agents, their plan is to put it on the internet, cross their fingers, hope somebody shows up and stick a sign in the yard. So you know, knowing that it's happening on all different price points, whether it's entry level, trade up, or even the premium markets, and those are really the three that we see, mm -hmm. sellers need to be prepared. They need to have a plan. They need to get out of Dodge, in my view, and you know, have some regular communication with their agent. Let's talk about buyers for a second. What should the buyers be doing to be prepared here, like you said? Well, it's definitely speed, for sure, that buyers have to uh, know about the market. It in order to be best prepared, first of all, you have to be pre-approved. So you have to talk to a lender. Unless you're a cash buyer. <laughs> Unless, yeah. Well, we see a lot <laughs> of that too. Um, people are getting very creative. Uh, they might be cashing out 401ks and then repaying themselves at a later time. Always talk to your financial advisor on that. Um, but we do see a lot of that also. So if you're not a cash buyer, definitely get pre-approved. Talk with a lender. Get that all your finances in order um, because you're not going to be able to submit an offer without that pre-approval letter. Well, what I would also say too is understand how the process is going to work, right? Because a lot of folks, you know, they come in, they want to go see a home, they get excited, then they want to buy it, which they don't think is going to happen. And they don't know what to do. Um, and I, I think that goes for both sellers and buyers. So really having that consultation before, having that conversation, having an outline of, Okay, you like the home. Now what? Now what? Like, Correct. Do you, like, do you have deposit money ready? To your point, getting your financials in order, whether it's a pre-approval or getting their bank statements together. Because not everyone has like bank statements handy for proof of funds. Um, also, kind of, you know, knowing what your backup plan is going to be if you're a seller, because maybe you're not going to be able to line everything up. So in, in my view, being prepared is going to be really, really critical here. Um, and I, I think you summed it up perfectly at the beginning. So what, is there anything else buyers or sellers should be doing? We're talking about sellers getting out of Dodge, understanding they may not be able to move right into their next home if they don't have that lined up yet. Getting their buyers need to be getting their finances in order, understanding the process. What other things should people be considering, knowing how fast the market is moving? Definitely consider um, getting more uh, in detail about where you want to live. If, if you don't already have a specific area or neighborhood, you have to, as a buyer, you, you have to drive around, do your due diligence before you even start walking into homes for showings. Um, definitely hone in on where you want to be. And after you've sat down with an experienced 
agent to go over and understand the complete buying process, which if your agent hasn't done that for you yet, it's it's a disservice because you're going into it blindly. Um, but definitely knowing the entitle, uh, the entire buying process right off the jump so that you have a better understanding as a buyer what happens next. Take a look at the paperwork that's going to come your way. Have you even looked at an agreement of sale and what that looks like? Great advice. Have you looked at the consumer notice? Have you? There's there's a lot of paperwork involved with submitting an offer. It's not just calling up an agent and saying, "Hey, we're going to submit an offer," and, and it's a verbal. I have people who think that actually, um, and that happens in other markets. Mm -hmm. So you have to. I mean, again, that's where it's the the agent's job, whoever the agent is, to educate the consumer. I mean, that happens in New York City. They write, they type up like an email and they send it over, and then they go to contract later because an attorney draws up the contract. We use standard contracts in Pennsylvania, so a lot different. Mm -hmm. Yep. So as long as they have eyes on the paperwork that's going to come over their way and uh, you have to, as an agent, understand if they're comfortable doing electronic sign signatures, because since COVID, most of the documents come through the, you know, electronically. Electronically. Yeah. Yes. Why don't you explain what that means, an electronic signature? Maybe some people don't know this. I mean, maybe they haven't bought a home in 20 years. Correct. And I do find that a lot. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so Everything, all the paperwork's generated through our platform that we use. And um, what we can do is send each buyer an electronic copy of all the documents. Um, when they open up the email, they click on the link. It's pretty easy. They can read through the entire document. But there's going to be prompts where they can click and adopt an electronic signature. So that technically is their signature on the document. Well, yeah. And, and you talk about being prepared and being able to move quickly. I mean, you know, meeting people in person to sign documents is not efficient, It's not Correct. effective. Some people insist on doing it. So I love what you said there. Read through the contract on your own, because you know, some people, you know, when, when I hire a professional and I do this with my accountant, my attorney, I'm like, hey, I trust you guys. There's a reason I hired you. So I'm just going to sign whatever. I, I just I, th that's how I hire people. Other folks don't feel that way. And when you're meeting someone for the first time, you know, a lot of times these relationships are developed over time. But if you're a first time buyer or you're somebody that's just jumping into the market, they may have a lot of questions. And I'm not mm -hmm. judging here. I'm telling you that you got to determine what kind of person you are and be ready mm -hmm. to be able to operate where you feel comfortable making a large financial decision. Correct. Yep. And when the electronic documents come flying your way in the email... <laughs> It, it's very overwhelming. It's like, it's like 40 pages. Yeah, exactly. So the buyers, if they can get their eyes on hard copies, and that is usually presented when you do um, a buyer's uh, consult, then they feel more comfortable when they're receiving electronic versions of them. 100%. Yeah, t totally agree. I mean, you never want someone to feel uncomfortable. That, that mm -hmm. to me, is probably the, the most important thing. So we gave you some national numbers here. Let me tell you what's happening in the greater Philadelphia area just to understand how fast the market's moving. And then we're going to go to a really interesting piece of media that dropped about four days ago from Grant Cardone. If you guys don't know who he is, you can Google him, but he's a, you know, he's a best-selling author with the 10 X rule. I, I like his principles. He's got some very specific views on real estate. So in the greater Philadelphia area, um, the share of homes that went pending in less than a week is 48%, right? So right in line with the national numbers for the share of homes that went pending from within one to two weeks. And by pending sale, we mean an agreement of sale was executed by buyer and seller. 21% went under contract from day eight to day 14. So that's actually a lot higher than most of the other metro markets that we see. And then another 12% 
one under contract in four weeks. So if we do the math there, that's, let me carry the, carry the one. So we got 48, 21, 12. So that's going to be, uh, 70, 71% of all the, or 81%, I'm sorry, I can't even do math. So it's 81%, um, of all the properties that went under contract were in less than four weeks. I mean, that's, that's a major number. That's bigger than the national average. And then we see things kind of 8% day 31 to day 60, 9%, eight to 26 weeks, and then 3% more than 26 weeks. So what I would tell anyone, if you're in that more than a month on the market and you're a seller, it's time to evaluate how you're being positioned or if your home's being marketed properly. I mean, that, that, you know, if you have cell phone pictures from your agent on an iPhone 5, it's probably time to think about getting a new agent. Correct. Definitely upgrade those photos. You might have to adjust the price point. Um, I know that sellers, you know, it, it is a seller's market. So sometimes sellers get a little bit aggressive on their mm -hmm. asking price. But if your home is positioned properly in, in the market, that home is going to get under contract quickly. So if you are sitting there for 30 plus days, definitely it's time to reevaluate what's going on. So, so if you're, you're talking to a seller and uh, let's say their home's not selling, at what point in time, because the, the number used to be a lot longer. So I just want to give people some perspective here. If your home hasn't sold in how many weeks, when should you be reevaluating what's going on? And obviously, there's we, we don't know all the data, like how many showings, what kind of feedback you're getting, what buyers think of the price. But what, what are you telling a seller right now? Probably in the first two weeks, if we don't have any interest, uh, buyers aren't saying that they're going to submit an offer, uh, it's time. It's time to reevaluate the uh, and adjust the price point. So every two weeks, mm -hmm. that, that's, a good, that's a good time frame to look at. So that's kind of the, oh, the high overview here. Let's talk about this Grant Cardone video. So, <coughs> excuse me. So with, um, with Grant Cardone, he basically came out and said and posted this video on his Instagram that if you are thinking about selling your home, sell it now because mm -hmm. it's, ne it's not going to get any better. It's not going to get any better. And he went on this rant <laughs> and right. basically said, hey, it's not going to get better. Sell your home if you're thinking about selling because of the threat of baby boomers liquidating their properties in the coming years. And there's going to be potentially 20 million houses on the market right now. So what do you think about all that, Stacey? We were talking about that earlier today. And uh, yes, he was saying, sell now, sell now, like a fire sale. Um, he said the economy is not getting better, that it will get worse. Unemployment may climb. Um, and he also said that there were 78 million baby boomers that are going to liquidate over the next 30 years. So that would be approximately 20 million homes. Mm -hmm. So that that's okay. That's good information. Um, we did have some baby boomer number discrepancy there. Uh, we figured it was more like 69 million ba mm -hmm. uh, boomers that are going to be liquidating. But he has to consider who's coming into the market. Like who's jumping in? We've got the millennials. So... The millennials make up the biggest um, age group of, of potential buyers that are, they're bigger than the baby boomers. At their as peak, far yeah. as at their Absolutely. peak. Correct. So that being said, there's going to be approximately 30 million millennials that are jumping into the market over the next two to six years. Got it. So the other thing about this video, and, and you have a very valid point there, this video is from a year ago. Uh -huh. And he reposted it again four days ago. I don't know what he's saying because when he posted the video, he said it's not going to get better. Right. Well, guess what? 
it got much better. We saw record yes. appreciation year over year. Mm -hmm. um, now, he also claimed that the you know, the economy was going to get worse. I mean, the economy has recovered. I mean, that, that V-shaped recovery absolutely happened that a lot of people were predicting. So to me, this is just clickbait. And mm -hmm. it's him trying to grab some headlines. And the funny thing about Grant Cardone is he says don't buy a home. But then he has this giant real estate investing company where people will invest with him to get a better rate of return than they will in other places. So despite what the guy's saying, his numbers are wrong. I mean, I'm looking at 2021 <laughs> census data right now. 69.56 baby boomers. They're uh, called millennials north of 72, 73 million. And obviously these numbers aren't totally accurate because people don't fill out the census all the time. But the, the, the point is maybe a year ago, maybe there was some, some more boomers than there are now. I, I just, I'm, I'm not seeing where the data is coming from. Mm -hmm. And because of that, it tells me that it's really critical that you do your research and you know what's actually happening in the market. Because this is a great example of something we deal with a lot where, Someone's telling you what's happening in the market and it couldn't be more inaccurate. And that's okay. That's the, the consumer. It's our job to educate the consumer, not the other way around. So how do you combat that? I mean, you know, let's say Grant Card owns your client and he says, well, you know, it's not going to get any better. And, and I'm just going to wait for the, I'm going to wait for people to liquidate their homes. What do you say to that? Well, I go back to the information about the millennials. <laughs> um, it's not going to get better. Liquidate the home. Uh, you just have to educate them on what's really happening in the market today um, and make sure that uh, they're dealing with accurate numbers, accurate figures. And uh, yeah, I mean, if you have motivation to sell, obviously jump in, sell. Um, if you are relocating to a different state, um, but, you know, if, if you're selling and you have to repurchase and you're trying to repurchase in, in the same location, then it makes it a little bit more challenging. So it's not always just sell just to liquidate and cash in. Uh, you have to consider the whole, you know, your whole situation. Couldn't agree with you more. So, I mean, I think it's get educated, understand what you're getting into, be prepared, do your research because this is a big financial decision. So on that note, we're going to come back. We're going to talk about a great article that came out in the Inquirer about FHA, conventional mortgages, VA loans. And we're also going to hit on a major move where a, a huge CEO of a major company jumped to a tech company. We'll break it all down when we come back on Tool Time Radio. This is WWDB 860 AM. Catch you in a few. Buying a home or already owned?
610-439-8000 or apply online at mymortgageamerica.com. Have you considered a career in real estate? Do you want control over your income? Whether you have a license or not, call us today at 610-692-6976 or visit tomtool.com. Join our team, the Tom Tool Sales Group at Remax Mainline. Welcome back to Tool Time Real Estate Radio on WWDB 860 AM. I'm Tom Tool. She's Stacy Mitchell. And again, we work with the Tom Tool Sales Group at Remax Mainline, the number one Remax team in Pennsylvania and Delaware since 2018. And we are a local company here to give you local news about what's going on in the market and how we can help you. So on that note, um, a friend of mine, maybe not a friend, but someone I've spoken to, uh, Michaela Bond, uh, I hope I'm getting her name right. So if you're listening, my bad if I didn't pronounce it correctly. She came out with an article uh, yesterday on, on the Inquirer. She actually interviewed me for it. Um, and what the article said was that loan preference is shutting out FHA and VA-backed buyers. The, the headline had FHA-backed specifically because of how incredible the housing market is. So... What do you think about all this, Stacey? Well, yeah, after reading the article, um, I totally understand uh, what she's speaking about as far as the FHA-backed loans. Um, But I have to say, based on my own experience, uh, I was able to get FHA buyers under contract. Mm -hmm. So I know there's probably a lot um, that maybe are not getting under contract, uh, I just think it's, you know, you have to research each situation. So if there is an offer, if there's a home on the market and it's one of the homes that goes under contract in two days, it might have 16 offers. So within that 16 offers, is there a cash offer that's waiving all inspections and every other contingency? And that offer is going to be accepted. Um, I know that there's a lot of... Uh, sellers, a few sellers that I have worked with that actually accepted FHA mm-hmm. um, backed uh, buyers. So they are getting accepted. Um, but I do understand the whole point of the, of the article. Well, and it might not have to do as much with the situation as the property itself. Um, and I mean, I, I've seen the same thing. We, we are getting FHA and VA offers accepted. I mean, we've got some agents on our team that work with a lot of veterans and, and they're, right. they're, they're selling them homes. They're, they're getting them houses. So the, the, however, she is, she is right. I mean, the reporting here is spot on is because if you're in that competitive situation and the fear of sellers is this, it's actually twofold. One with an FHA loan, if you get a low appraisal on an FHA loan, you're stuck with that appraisal. They, they don't send out a new appraiser if they get a new buyer. You're stuck with that appraisal. So mm-hmm. if that's the kind of buyers you're, you're attracting and you got the opportunity for a conventional uh, buyer to come through, and, and that happens a lot in some of the lower price points. I mean, it's just the, the way it is. Uh, then th- that, that can limit a seller's options. That, that, that's one issue. The second is FHA appraisers will typically require um, repairs in some cases, but it's not all the time. And a lot of people don't know what they require. And, and the term that's used is minimum property requirements, which are things like peeling paint or smoke detectors, or they need to put a carbon monoxide detector in or a ground fault outlet in a wet location. So mm-hmm. we, uh, we close on a sale uh, tomorrow, actually, 
where the seller was very concerned about FHA. We, I, I sent her what the minimum property requirements are. Now, the, the hangup here is FHA doesn't have this documented. It's kind of up to the appraiser. So that's where it gets a little gray. And we went through. We felt comfortable with it. She had to paint two windowsills. Mm-hmm. Big deal. I mean, that's something I could do when I'm the least handy person around. So <laughs> the, the the point is that it's about educating them as well. And it was it was the best offer that the seller saw. We received three offers in total, and it wasn't even close. So for that seller, it was it was worth the risk. Mm-hmm. So the, the fear is one, they're gonna have to make repairs to the property. Now, for some homes that need a lot of work, I mean, they might not qualify for financing anyway. So Correct. that's where sometimes FHA buyers can get can get shut out. VA kind of goes through the same thing. Um you know, the other thing to consider here is with the way appraisals are going, right? Because the market's accelerating at a little over a percentage point a month right now. And because of that, there may not be the data to support the sale price. And that that's another issue in the marketplace. So because of that, you get stuck with that appraisal. But also, typically people that, that buy FHA are buying with a low down payment. They don't have the cash to come up and make up the difference. So that's the fear of sellers. But to your point, I mean, we've done, you know, tens of FHA transactions this year. I mean, it's mm-hmm. not like it's a one-off or something. So I don't totally agree. You may have to have a different strategy when looking for properties. So you get an FHA buyer or you get a VA buyer for that matter. And and we'll talk about VA in a second here. And, you know, to, to give some perspective, FHA will accept a 580 credit score. Um, so that doesn't typically qualify for conventional. They're usually looking for something in the mid sixes. So what advice would you have for someone that can only get approved to buy a home with an FHA loan? Well, first of all, you have to find out um, the financial background of the buyers. Mm -hmm. So uh, yes, they're approved for FHA, but does that mean that they, what is the amount of money that they're really working with? So I had FHA buyers and they had a lot of money Mm -hmm. to put down. So we had a little bit more flexibility. So knowing their, their finances is key because that's going to help you write a really good offer. Well, and, and I, I love what you said there, just because one area might not be strong. Because mm-hmm. when, when you get evaluated for a loan, they look at your credit score, they look at your cash, they look at your income, and then they look at the, the property itself. That's where the appraisal comes in. So you're saying if they have cash on hand and it's a credit issue, be ready to pony up is what I'm, what I'm hearing you say. Be ready to come to the table with more than the 3.5% down. Mm-hmm. So th- that's great advice. Keep going. Well, that's that was the case of um, these buyers. They had about $50,000 to work with. So we were secure in going over asking price on certain properties. And we were a- also able to offer a certain amount of money towards any appraisal gap. So even though it was an FHA-approved loan, we felt that we had some strength because they had uh, additional funds to work with and be creative with the offer. So that might not always be the case. You might have your traditional mm-hmm. FHA buyers that don't have a whole lot of cash to work with, but we're still able to get them under contract. Um, we have to be creative with potentially waiving inspections. Sure. Well, think about what we just talked about. FHA buyers, if you're worried about your, your, your offer not getting accepted because of the type of financing, I'd be targeting properties that are on the market longer than seven days. Because at that point, the rush is kind of over. And not that, not that homes don't sell then. I'm not, that's not what we're saying. The rush is over. We're seeing that 48% of homes are selling in the first couple weeks in our marketplace here. We just broke down the, um, or the first week, excuse me. And then another, you know, another significant portion are going under contract the following week. So 
I would be targeting homes more than seven days on the market. Watch the home. That's a great mm -hmm. instance to drive by it to see if you like it because then you see day seven, day eight. Well, then a good real estate agent can call, talk to him on the phone, see what's going on, understand there's no offers. And then all of a sudden, you're not getting you're not getting evaluated on the type of loan. It's price, it's terms, it's the timing for the seller, which is equally important in a lot of cases. Because in the past, before the market turned into 2021, a lot of sellers would just look at price. I mean, mm -hmm. it, I'm not saying that's right. I'm saying that's what happened. So, you know, it, it really depends on that. And then, the again, the ability to appraise in the condition of the property. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there is other things to consider, not just price point. Um, and that's how that's when if, if you do have an experienced agent, they can educate you on different ways to make your offer stand out and make it um, more appealing to the sellers, even with an FHA or VA backed loan. Um, so I think an experienced agent can help buyers uh, navigate through those waters and craft really good offers um, despite that. And you're right. I think looking at the market um seeing what homes, uh, like you said, have been on the market seven days, kind of assessing the situation. Maybe it's just because uh, a little, there's a few things that are a little outdated, totally perfect home. Um, but maybe the kitchen cabinets are sure. not the standard white cabinets. Yeah, 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 for. right. So, you know, and, and that's okay for some buyers. They're totally fine with that. It's it's a beautiful home. Uh, but there you, you have a little bit more leverage and a little bit more room to... Uh, to, um, you know, investigate that property and, and hopefully put an offer in and get it accepted. Well, and, and I, I, the thing the thing about this article, and I appreciate um, what is being brought to the table here, because a lot of people, they don't want to talk about this, but th this has been going on for months. This is not something new. It's the seller's right to go with who they want to go with. It's the seller's right to evaluate the terms, the price, and the finances and decide which one's going to be best for them. And knowing that there might be some potential repairs involved or you get stuck with the appraisal with FHA, you know, that, that, that's the seller's choice. And that's again, where it's the agent's job to explain all that to them. Um, at the same time, you have to have a strategy to pivot because not everyone's going to be able to buy a property that that's like that. And there's nothing fair about the housing market. I mean, it's, it's, it, it's a, it's an incredible market in a lot of ways. And it's also one where you got to have some patience. You got to stay positive and you got to know what you're getting into. I mean, a lot of the stuff you said on the last segment, being prepared, is really important. So, uh, and a lot of, you know, I, I would say VA buyers are going through the same thing. And we've got a, you know, Ron Stender from our team. He's a, um, an ex-Marine works with a good amount of veterans. And, you know, for, he's run into this a little bit with, with some properties where the, these people are really well qualified financially. Now a VA loan's a little different because you have to be a veteran to qualify for it. So that's kind of number one. You can get up to a hundred percent of the finance of the purchase price finance. FHA gives you 96 and a half. So you're coming in three and a half percent down. Um, VA loans are, uh, are, are typically going to be, uh, you know, the, the credit score is, it, it's not typically just for a low credit score. It's more if you're a veteran and here's your gift for serving our country. And, you know, it's, it's tough for those folks where they, you know, and they have the same minimum property requirements that, that are looked at. So I would be giving the same advice to them that target property seven or more days on the market, be aware of what you're getting into. And if you got the cash, like you said, you know, maybe maybe you need to adjust the way you're going to finance the property instead of just giving it to the seller for an appraisal. You might need to come in and, you know, put 20% down, even though you, and you can you can do that with these loans if you have the cash. Mm -hmm. So I, I, a lot of people always don't think that way, that you still have the ability to put more money down on an FHA loan or put more money down on a VA loan. Mm -hmm. um, so 
you know, moving forward. So you're, you're a seller, you're, you're a buyer. We kind of hit on that. So, I mean, moving ahead, I mean, do you think the market's going to stay this way? Do you think this, you've given us some case studies where these have gotten accepted. Is the market going to stay this way? Are, are FHA and VA buyers going to be able to secure properties a little more readily? What do, you, what do you think happens here in the next 12 months? Well, in the next 12 months, it's probably going to be pretty much more of this type of market. Doesn't mean that FHA and VA loans won't get under contract or buyers won't get under contract. They will. Mm -hmm. They will. I've had success with them, both VA and um, FHA-backed mortgages. Uh, the beauty also, just touching on the VA loans, there's no um, PMI mm -hmm. insurance. So that's Which, really helpful. So what's for PMI? I mean, I know we talk an acronym. So that's the uh, the mortgage insurance uh, that lenders apply to your loan if you don't put 20% down. Yep. And it, it makes your payment go higher, basically. Yeah. I mean, we're not going to go through the calculations here, but it, it, it is they want to insure it because the lender views it as higher risk because there's less money down. So, mm -hmm. you know, if a lender can view it as higher risk, the seller should be able to, too, when they're selling their house and trying to get to a real estate transaction. Mm -hmm. But I do believe the market is going to be more the same of what we have now, um, especially because the millennials coming in, interest rates are going to stay relatively low. Uh, and the inventory might not become <laughs> any better than it is. Maybe slightly better, but not much better. So, but to FHA and VA uh, buyers, just hang in there. Um, definitely, it, it's going to take a little bit, but it can happen. So stay positive and stay focused. And you might even get some off-market deal. You never know, but just keep trying. Well, and, and again, target those properties that are on the market a little longer or you know, better yet, talk to your lender. And and the reason I say that is, and we've, we've run into this a couple of times where maybe there's like a credit card payment hanging out there that if you paid it off, your credit score would go up and in turn, you'd be able to qualify for a conventional loan. There's 3% down conventional products that are out there. So it's not like the, the, the cash to close is a lot different. Um, so, I mean, if that's the only hang up here, sometimes it is the appraisal for a lot of folks. So I'd talk to your lender, see what the options are. PHFA is another great example. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago with uh, Kevin Sutera from Mortgage America. They're the number one PHFA lender in the state. And uh, they're, they're able to, you know, that that's a very similar kind of program. So I would be looking at, you know, how, how you can maybe raise your credit score up a little bit if you're not happy with it. Not because the, it, it's going to help you get into a home. It's not necessarily going to save you a lot of money or do anything like that, but it gets you the property. And to me, that's the only deal on the market right now is getting the home. Getting the home is the deal. And getting the home, if you're a renter and you've always been a renter, getting a home, it's going to help you build generational wealth. I mean, it's really important. A lot of people, um, you know, that's that's a great, it, it's going to be their family, um, you know, basically their family wealth uh, by just getting into a home. You have to start somewhere. Well, it's funny you say that because there was an, an article that came out, I'm going to say about 16 months ago or, or, or um, around there from Keeping Current Matters, our friends down in Richmond, uh, where they evaluate the market and they constantly uh, look at, you know, what what home ownership means, how it helps people. Um, and their statistic they came out with, and I'm trying to trying to look it up right now, is that for renters who are lifetime renters, um, their net worth is typically around seventy five thousand dollars when they hit retirement age. For someone that owns a home, and let me see if I can find this here. Um, I want to say it was maybe five or six times that. Here we go. Um, so the and this comes from uh, data from the Federal Reserve that the net worth of a homeowner 
will be over 40 times greater than that of a renter. Um, in August 2018, Keeping Current Matters came out with the same thing, where the, the um, net worth of a homeowner is 44 times greater than a renter. Um, and the median net worth of a homeowner was about 231000 a 15% increase since 2013. And the, uh, the median net worth of renters decreased by 5%, and it was around $5,200. Uh, $5, so, I mean... Wow. That's a no-brainer to me. And mm -hmm. I you know, people say, well, it's not worth paying it. Well, what you end up doing is you pay somebody else's mortgage. Yep. You're paying their taxes. You're paying their insurance. You're paying their cash flow on the property. So ultimately, you know, working with a lender, if this is a problem for you and your your credit score is too low or you're not happy with the types of loans that you can qualify for, you know, it, it's do the work now. So a year from now, well, yeah, if prices go up and rates go up, you're still gonna build hundreds of thousands of dollars of net worth. Exactly. Did you know that's that? I, that, to me, <laughs> that stat is just mind-boggling. Um, it's really, it, it just solidifies um, how important it is to build your wealth um, to get into a home. It just solidifies that. It's the number one investment. The biggest investment for families is your home. Oh, and it, it's for savings, right? I mean, mm -hmm. you know, you're, you're paying your, your mortgage every month and people don't always look at it that way with the way rates are right now. And even if they go up a little bit, it's still going to be cheaper than renting a property. And totally. you know, these numbers I'm giving you are a little dated here, but it was, uh, I wanted to kind of share them with you. And, um, you know, the, the federal reserve typically doesn't, uh, does that survey every three years. So we should be due for a new one coming up here. Um, the, the, the point is that there, there's a far better benefit. So Talk to a local lender. Understand what it's going to take to get you in an ownership position where you can secure the home. Because right now, these are the facts of the market. It, it, it's it's not pretty. You know, some people may think it's unfair. I don't think there's anything fair about the housing market. There's really no rules in real estate other than the laws you have to follow. Uh, but when it comes to buyers and sellers, they don't have a lot of regulation on them. It's more real estate agents and, and the stuff that we do. So my view of this is so clearly, if you don't like what's going on, there are opportunities out there credit repair company can go a long way. They can bring your credit mm -hmm. score up pretty quickly, mm -hmm. um, as well as, you know, some of the stuff we see from just talking to a local lender. Mm -hmm. yeah. So on that note, what we're going to do here is we're going to take a quick break and we're going to come back. We got some really interesting industry news. And I, I'm, I'm so excited about this topic here because this is something not enough people are talking about. So again, if you got a question, email us at info at tooltimeradio.com. This is Tool Time Real Estate Radio on WWDB 860 AM. When you're getting a mortgage, you shouldn't have to sacrifice great service just to get a great rate. At Mortgage America, we've been lending with this philosophy for over 35 years. We have access to great low rates without the complications and delays of big or online banks. We're a local Pennsylvania lender with loan officers that you can actually meet. As PHFA's number one lender, we specialize in all residential mortgage programs, including first-time buyer programs and low-down payment options. For your free pre-approval, call us at 610-439-8000 or apply online at mymortgageamerica.com. The real estate market is red hot. Have you considered taking advantage? Call the Tom Tool Sales Group at Remax at 610-692-6976 or visit our website, tomtool.com, to connect and take advantage of these market conditions. Buying a home or already own one? We can help. I am Kevin Hamill from Alliances Insurance Agency. If you haven't reviewed your policies in the last three years, now's the time. 
New home buyers. There are a number of ways. Hey, Brett, it's uh, it's a 57 and a half, right? Call us to find out more at 610-816-0043, extension 3, or visit our website, alliancesinsurance.com. Don't forget the S. It's for savings. Have you considered a career in real estate? Do you want control over your income? Whether you have a license or not, call us today at 610-692-6976 or visit tomtool.com. Join our team, the Tom Tool Sales Group at REMAX Mainline. All right, welcome back to Tool. Time Real Estate Radio, WWDB, 60 AM. Again, I'm Tom Tool. She's Stacey Mitchell. We are part of the Tom Tool Sales Group at REMAX Mainline, the number one REMAX team since 2018 in Pennsylvania and in Delaware. And what we're going to talk about next is some industry news. And it's not so much about the news with this story. It's what does it mean for the future of real estate models? And I, this is so important, and if people aren't realizing this, if you're a local real estate agent, I really encourage you to tune in. We're going to repurpose this content, get it out, distribute it. So there was a, an article on Inman that broke um, yesterday, and it talked about the Berkshire Hathaway Home Services CEO stepping down to lead a tech startup called Place. So uh, Chris Stort uh, is the uh, Berkshire Hathaway Home Services CEO. You've probably heard of Berkshire Hathaway Fox and Roach Realtors or whatever their name is now. It's a very long one. Uh, the, the, the point is he stepped down as a CEO from a major company and he is taking the helm as the president of Place, um, which is a, a company founded by Ben Kinney. Uh, ben Kinney, if you don't know who he is, um, he is a... Um, you know, he, he has originally came up as running a real estate team and he uh, owns and operates um, a, a top 25 real estate team that has about 1,200 agents across multiple uh, locations in the Pacific Northwest and in the West Coast. Uh, and uh, so what he did was he's founding this company called Place, which is um, a, a bit of a startup and it's scaling very quickly. It's moving along fast and they attracted someone from one of the traditional real estate powerhouses to leave their job as CEO and come work for him. So what do you think about all this, Stacey? That's a big deal. <laughs> Tell me more. <laughs> well, uh, him stepping down to uh, get into a startup, that just tells me that uh, this, this is where the industry is going as far as uh, back office uh, platforms mm -hmm. for real estate teams. Uh, to help them, um, you know, generate more everything, generate more leads, become more organized. Um, so that's what that's telling me, that that's exactly where uh, this industry is going. Well, so to give you uh, some perspective, so uh, Place, the, this company, it partners with um, top, top producers, whatever that means, but, you know, agents and, and teams that are selling a lot of, a lot of real estate to help run their back end um, operations, which is where a lot of real estate agents really fall short. I'm talking about things like accounting, payroll, HR, marketing, brand development, talent acquisition, and legal affairs specifically. And they're also going to have access to Ben, his training, his coaching, mortgage title, all that stuff. So, um, and then they have some tiered benefits based on how many homes you sell, which we'll, we'll talk about in, in, in a second here, because I think there's, there's some startling numbers there that we're going to go over. 
And I couldn't agree with you more. When you see a, someone leave a company like Berkshire Hathaway to go work for a startup that was founded in the past, what, 12 months, I think it was? February 2020. Yeah, so yeah, a little longer than that, 15 months, we'll call it. That tells me that the traditional models are in a lot of trouble when it comes to real estate. Mm -hmm. The brick and mortar brokerage, the single agent, all these people who have been operating in a, a way that, you know, they didn't think disruption was coming because it hasn't happened to real estate are in a lot of trouble. And here's some statistics why, and then we're going to talk about this. So you may not realize this. 40% of the agents in the MLS, all the MLSs, because there's many of them across the country, 40% of all the agents that are members of the MLSs have not sold a home this year. And to me, that was the most startling number. That's a big number that have not sold a home in an incredible real estate market year that people who have been in real estate for 30 years have never seen before. Well, we're almost halfway through the year. Right. So, I mean, this isn't, you know, it's not like it's January, right? right. So 90% of all the sales were done by the top 15% of agents that are out there. That is not surprising to me because there's that 80-20 rule in every industry. Mm -hmm. It's more the lack of activity from that 40%. And I got all these numbers um, from, from Tom Ferry was down with him last week in Dallas. At, um, he's obviously like the number one ranked real estate coach in the country. Good friend of mine as well. So what we're seeing is that we have these kind of corporate moves happening, right? A startup that attracts a CEO from Berkshire Hathaway and then 40% of agents aren't selling anything. Um, uh, and you know, I went a little deeper on this as well, because I, I took some data from, uh, Relatix. It's a company that we use to, uh, chart productivity in our local marketplace. The average per agent productivity in most of the offices, and I'm not going to give names out here, um, is between six and 11 transactions. That's the average. So if you're at six, there's definitely somebody that has a goose egg on the board, right? <laughs> so, and then you see. Ben Kinney come along with his team, which is one of, I mean, he is very cutting edge, really smart guy. I, I haven't had the chance to meet him, but I've been watching him for a while. You see teams that come out. So I'll, I'll give you our team numbers. Our team averaged 28 sales per agent last year. So you, you look at all these numbers here and seeing that someone who runs a team was able to attract a CEO from Berkshire Hathaway to work with him on a startup. That tells me that so many real estate companies are in trouble and they don't even know it. They have no plan. They're not structured to grow. And it's going to change the marketplace. So wh what does this mean for agents that are out there? I mean, what's your, what's your view on this? I mean, I think it's less about the platform and more about what the news means for the market. Well, for agents, um, if you're one of the 40% of the agents that haven't sold a home, you definitely need to figure out what's going on there. Um, little self-evaluation, Yeah, a little right? self-evaluation for sure. Um, other agents, it, you're going to have to reevaluate where you are as far as, um, are you on a team? Um, do you want to be on a team? What, what is your goal? What are your goals? What, where do you want your career to go in the future as far as, uh, real estate? Um, and if, you know, if you're in traditional brick and mortar or mm -hmm. a small office, you might want to reevaluate and start looking around. Well, and, and one, of, one of the things we talked about last week, so to give some perspective, uh, you know, I, I was at an event with about 200 team leaders from across the country um, for two days. And you know, we talk about what's going on in the industry, how to innovate, how to make everyone better. And there's really a couple different kinds of, of teams that are emerging. There's the, you know, the team that wants to scale, right? So they have a ton of inbound lead flow. They have systems that make it easier for their agents to sell. They're getting people productive quickly. 
and there's a lot of opportunities. Um, then there's the like the Navy SEAL team where they they are intentionally staying small, and their people are working really hard and they're very skilled. Uh, and but they're they don't have an aim to grow much more than what they are right now. They just want to have a consistent income coming in. They're going to keep doing what they're doing, um, but there's not a path to growth. And then there's like the illegitimate team where there's like four people that get together and try to get a better split from their brokerage. And they say they're a team, but no one knows what they're doing. And it's just, a, it turns out to be a disaster for them. Or like, the, you know, the husband and wife team's a little different, but I know, I don't know about you. I think if my wife and I worked together, that would be the end of the marriage. Um, she would probably tell you that too. Uh, that's not, that's not easy for a lot of people. Right. It's not easy for a lot Especially of people. Especially when there's not a clearly defined role. And that's kind of that illegitimate team when everyone's kind of doing the same stuff. Right. Mm -hmm. So my view of this is that um, if you're not looking at teams being the future of real estate, you're just making a mistake. A lot of people, they, they switch brokerages or they go to different companies because they're looking for a magic bullet. They want some tech stack. They want something else that's going on rather than going to a team that has documented success. Just what Ben's doing here. I mean, this is, and this is, he, he's not recruiting people to join his team. What he's doing is he's solving the problem that lots of teams have, which is mm -hmm. they don't have a marketing department. They don't know how much money they actually made last year because there's no like accounting or, or back end there. I mean, all the issues of staff and putting people in the right, in the right places, human resources, right? Like, you know, legal, like what happens when somebody sues you? Like, I mean, there's no, people don't know how to do that stuff. So he's providing a solution of people that would probably never want to go join him. And obviously, you know, he's, you know, he's going to make money on this and, and, and that's a plan. And that's fine because a lot of people will pay for a solution rather than have to develop their own. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, you know, my view is that, you know, these companies and, and I, you know, I, I view all the big box brokerages the same way, whether it's Remax, whether it's Berkshire Hathaway, you know, Weikert, Long and Foster. I mean, all these companies, Compass is another one. All the big brokerages, they're at war right now with these tech companies. And when you see a CEO move from a powerhouse brand in real estate to working with a guy who's known for building a team and known for technological innovation, the writing's on the wall here. It's definitely going to shake everything up. That's for sure. Yep. So, so you're, you're in the spot of someone that's on a team, right? So, I mean, you know, knowing your perspective and, you know, knowing that you're a former business owner, that you have, you know, a lot of success in your, in your careers in the past and you made a, a career move. So someone that's out there and, and obviously this is a great time to hit on that. We, we are offering jobs to the community. If you want to get into real estate, um, we have a scholarship program. It's realestatescholarshipprogram.com. I would check out the website. It explains it all there. If you're new, you don't want to have, have the money to spend to get your license. We can take care of that for you. Knowing someone that just got into the industry and sold 45 homes in 12 months, these are real numbers. You can look them up in the MLS. What, what advice do you have for new agents or agents that are in that 40% or maybe they're in that like, I'm doing five, seven deals a year and I'm not really happy with my productivity? For me, it was a no brainer. I just saw the success of the team. Um, and well, give some perspective because <laughs> I think we have, you know, we, I mean, okay. we, we, so, we had worked together on a transaction, right? Correct. Uh, yes. Um, Tom had, um, sold a condo for us, uh, for a family member and it was the most seamless transaction ever. And I, I that stuck in my mind because seriously, we had to do nothing. We just, it, it, everything was taken care of for us and it was a, because of a team. And it always stuck in my mind. I said, if I ever got into real estate, I'm going to look up Tom Toll. And that's exactly what I did. And I'll tell you what, it was the best decision I ever made. I joined the team and it is a team. 
So what that means, and I, I you know, I'm a newbie agent, um, just got my real estate license, didn't really know much about it. And, uh, but all the tools are there, the tools, the support, uh, the back office. I mean, it's, it, the growth is, um, it's unlimited, basically. I it really is for, for you as an agent. I think let's yes, be very for you clear. As an agent. That, that, I mean that that's what right. and and that's I think that's the challenge, right? Because mm-hmm. you don't want to be working all the time. You don't want to be the one doing all the marketing, mm-hmm. doing all the administrative work. I wouldn't know how to do the marketing, well, and that's the point, right? And, <laughs> right. and, and you know, then yeah. then you don't get you don't get the right results. So exactly for you know agents out of the marketplace here. I mean, you're a new agent coming in, so you said. I mean, it sounded like you were just looking for a team that would make it easy for you to sell real estate. I mean, do you think that's the future model here? I mean, is that, that where things are going? I think because we I got, so. we got what, four minutes, three minutes left here. I mean, two, fi- two to five years from now, what does the industry mm-hmm. look like? I think it's going to be exactly what's going on now. 90% of all deals are done by the top 15%. And, and I would say 90, all the, that top 15%, mm-hmm. it's all going to be teams. Mm-hmm. And they're going to be teams that are operationalized mm-hmm. and that are run like a business. Correct. Because a lot of people don't run their I mean, you know, they just don't run it like a business. They, you know, we have a budget and we have a P&L that we look at and, you know, it just, and you got to decide if you either, you want to do that yourself or you want to go sell real estate because those are two very different things. They're two very different things. Running a business is different than, yeah. And you talk about real estate agents and quote, running their business. Some real estate agents don't have business background. They don't know how to run a business. It's it's two completely different things. And it's going to either make you or break you. So if you get on a team that has all those systems in place, it's just going to enhance your ability to go out there and, and you know, do your agent things, buying and selling. It's it's awesome. Well, and, and like, look at look at a guy like Ben Kinney, right? And there's, there's tons of these stories around the country where, you know, he's, he's in all these states and he's scaling and helping people. And now he's helping other teams. I mean, these are the kind of people that are business owners. And, mm-hmm. you know, in my view, I mean, you, you look at like college versus running a business right now. A lot of the smartest people, they don't want to run for president anymore. They don't want right. to go get a PhD and be a professor. They want to go run a business and help people because that's the, that, that's the way to go. And I think that's the, that's the way the country's going. I mean, and we can talk about, is it worth going to college maybe next week and, and, and chat about that? Because I think that's a really relevant conversation here, knowing my background and, and just other people that have gotten into the business. So what do you think about this company place? I mean, do you think this is going to solve, solve the problem for a lot of people? I'd love to get kind of your, and, and this is all pretty new. I mean, this, this hasn't been around for a while. I don't, I mean, it's not going to solve every problem, but it's going to be very, very helpful. Um, It's going to put a lot of systems in place uh, for teams to grow and scale. Um, And it seems like it's, it's really based around high volume. So there's a lot of incentive for um, associates who sell, you know, over 25 units. Uh, They get access to financial and retirement planning assistance. Um, You know, partners who sell between 25 and 49 units earn per year or earn 25 or 250,000 in gross commission get access to other tier benefits and including healthcare. Mm -hmm. So there's going to be a lot of things. Um, it's definitely something to look into, uh, as far as for, uh, agents. And if you want to be on a team, I think it's going to help the teams for sure. Well, think about the team lead that just kind of fell into their team, right? I mean, that happens a lot where they're just selling a ton of real estate and they're amazing real estate agents and, and they're really good salespeople. And then there's the discipline of running their business and th- they don't really know what to do because you bring up a really good point. A lot of people get into real estate for a lot of different reasons. So we're going to leave it there this week. 
you need anything from us, info at tooltimeradio.com. We'll be back next week. I'm Tom Tool. She's Stacy Mitchell. Thanks for tuning in. This is WWDB 860 AM.